Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders in the hospitality and restaurant industry to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I have a very special guest, Ken Burgeon all the way from Australia. Ken has a wealth of experience in the industry from operating his own businesses to being an advisor and consultant for small independent restaurants and now he's part of Silver Chef as strategic partner and event manager. He also runs a number of workshops online to better inform operators on how to navigate the ever-changing markets. We talked about the current storm in the industry, how to survive and thrive in it, the role of delivery and the power of leading true purpose and values and much more. Grab coffee and notebook and enjoy. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast. Today we have the middle of April 2020 and we have seen a big shock go through our industry and the world with the COVID-19 crisis. Today I'm very, very lucky to be joined by Ken Burgin from uh, Australia, probably one of the most knowledgeable people if you follow him on LinkedIn about what's going on in the industry from an Australian point of view, but also from a global point of view. Ken, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Michael, great to be here. Really appreciate it. For people that doesn't have met you before and see what you are up to and followed you on LinkedIn. Can you just give them like your, the, the elevator pitch? Well, cafe-owned, restaurant owner back in the 90s. Loved what I did. Always grew up in uh, working in kitchens on the weekend, so loved hospitality. Cafe and restaurant for 10 years in Sydney and sold those and then went into the consulting side of things, moved into online support, had a membership site there. And then, then that business was bought by a finance company called Silver Chef, which I work for now. First real job I had for many, many years and really enjoy that because I get the chance to do a lot of the support work for our customers and the industry as a whole. That's my job really is customer education. And of course, all that is thrown up in the air in the last couple of months. And uh, we're rethinking everything. How do you like, you know, spend in your life in this industry that you, you've probably seen other situations where, you know, recessions and so on, but why is this different? I'm an old guy. I'm in my 60s. <laughs> so I've seen a, been around the block a couple of times. Look, I remember 9-11 crisis back in 2001, which is, God, you know, nearly 20 years ago now. And that was when the, the world economy was had an enormous shock. There was just a big drop in sales and I guess it's a drop of confidence too because our industry really depends on optimism, people feeling, you know, excited, not closing their wallets. But that passed, but that, yeah, had lots of people reassessing what they were offering, value, you know, and I think it's these times when people look around and say, wow, I was really kind of trying it on a bit there, wasn't I? My prices were too high or I was a bit kind of lazy about, you know, looking after customers or communicating. And there was certainly a reset then. And, you know, in Australia, just over this last Christmas period, we had terrible bushfires on the East Coast here. And that really knocked the stuffing out of a lot of the industry. And again, people are looking at, wow, we are so fragile. You know, most of these small businesses, you know, one week loss of sales, it's all over almost for them. So yeah, that fragility is something that kind of worries me. And the fragility comes because of the very low profit margins. You know, if we're if our finances are so tight, we just, yeah, blow hard and we fall over. <laughs> yeah. And I have talked about this with Ivan Brewer from Australia 
Australia as well about profitability in restaurants that has just over decades slided. You know, I can remember my mom and dad ran, you know, their restaurants, and I, my dad still remember he talks about fifteen to twenty percent, you know, profit margins in some of them. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't hard to do if you were careful, and then you cared about what you did, and you know, took care of your people and all that. And then, but now it's like, even though if you're doing all the right things, it's so tough a game. Mm. Right now, and and then this has just tipped it over. You've seen even the big ones being out very quickly to say, if we don't get support from governments, we'll be gone in three weeks. And I I was a bit shocked about that, even that the big ones was so tight that we talk about a couple of weeks of cash flow and you're out of business. Businesses that you and I probably have more to do with, you know, the independents, the small restaurant, cafe, food service operators. The large ones, I think there's kind of more strategic. Sometimes this is the downsizing that they've been wanting to do for a while. I don't want to be too cynical about it, but I guess my sympathy is more with the small operators who, it is a job for a lot of these people. Now, you know, we always, that old Michael Gerber thing, you know, work on your business, not in your business. It's become a bit of a cliche. It's, it's absolutely true. But for most operators, they just go to work each week and some of them you know chop and cook and serve and wipe tables but for the owner they do the roster and they pay the bills and they do the ordering and they do a little bit of marketing that's still a job for them planning and strategizing and innovating and all yeah yeah next week or oh, can we wait till after you know the holidays for that just a bit busy at the minute it was kind of good enough for a long time and guess what good enough falls over within a week <laughs> yeah yeah maybe less than a week even yeah so, mm. so I've been talking with a couple of people on the podcast one of them was Barry Schuster from the US and Robin Aston in the US as well and a couple here in the UK and we all came to this conclusion starting that we we believe that if you look at restaurant units, there's gonna be between forty to fifty percent less of them. And that was in the in the US and in the UK. What is your view on Australia when it comes to that? Oh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree. It's going to be something similar. The world is full of too many shops, you know, streets full of retail we don't need anymore. It's sad when you go in a suburban area or a town and you see that there's going to be a whole lot more. So there's going to be a lot of pain for landlords. Landlords find it very difficult to meet the market around <laughs> rent because, you know, their valuations are, are rent dependent. It's a different kind of way of thinking. But people still want to go out. They still want to go out and have a good time. They want to take the family out once a week to do something, but they're going to trade down dramatically. And interestingly, the franchise groups often have been much more able to do pizzas for $5. Well, that's Australian, you know, or cheap pizza or family meal for not too much money and bright lights and the music's nice and all that. And, you know, I get impatient with these people who talk about our food prices should be high because the quality of our ingredients, you know, it's just not fair. Well, there's no such thing as fair in business. You know, there's a law of supply and demand. If your prices go up, people buy less of it. And we're going to have to really rethink that. And the nimble operator is going to be able to do something that's really special and the service is going to be great and maybe there's tablecloths and the price is going to be really keen as well and they'll do well. Yeah, and I guess what we see the next 12 months is that, you know, there were some that will pack up and disappear, but there's also that the savvy operators, if we take the, the positive angle, is using this period to innovate and get ready to the other side because I believe that's a massive opportunity for independent restaurants. The difference between the olden days, you know, 9-11 or even, you know, 10 years ago is the technology that's available for you to fine-tune your business to be directly connected with customers to do exactly what they want. It's incredible. And the smart operators are grabbing hold of it. Like right now, you're probably the same in the UK. There's just been this incredible grab for ordering apps and, you know, the ordering app companies 
companies can't believe it. They're having to do double shifts and triple shifts to keep up with demand. That's not going to go away. You know, something I was watching in the last six to 12 months is table ordering where you sit down, you just pull your phone out, boom, boom, and you order the same coffee as last time, double click on the side, it's paid. Now that unfortunately all screamed to a halt, you know, a month, six weeks ago, but those same apps you can use to order from home. And when we get back to the cafe or the restaurant, we're still going to be ready to use all that sort of stuff. The nimble operator is not doing this, you know, moaning about, oh, I want to talk to customers, you know, I want the personal service. Yeah, I still want that too, but actually just want my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's the table ordering is the apps, it's the online rostering, it's the ordering from suppliers, everything. Restaurant operators have got more chance to sit at home on the couch and run the business than ever. More efficient, more fine-tuning of costs. Yeah, just kind of watching everything really carefully. But the interesting thing here as well, this is not over. We're still in the coronavirus thing. As long as we don't have a vaccine for this, we will be in a situation where we as operators need to bring back our businesses in a different way than we've ever done before. Because social distance is a new trend that restaurant has to deal with. How do you see the next 12 to 24 months for smaller operators? There's going to be a lot of attrition, of course. It's a polite word, isn't it? There's going to be a lot of failure, a lot of people who were just kind of limping along. It was a job for a lot of people, and they were limping along, paying last week's bills with this week's money. The savvy operators who continue are going to really leverage technology, not because it's just, you know, they're they're geeks or nerds, but because there's possibilities to communicate with customers and future customers in ways that are fantastic and exciting, but you need to kind of put some work into setting up the mechanisms. So to be able to take their orders or send them targeted emails to understand this is a family of four, they don't eat so often, but they like to have something large quantities and they like this, they like that, you know, all that kind of stuff that only the most sophisticated marketers have done before. Those tools are available for us now. And the People who are ready to put some time into that are going to do well. And then they're going to use all the other tools like online rostering and online ordering and a whole bunch of things. I keep saying online, it's not the be all and the end all, but there's possibilities for fine tuning and checking costs and watching day by day what's happening and correcting because, you know, hospitality people traditionally are pretty poor with numbers. They're savvy, they know how much is in their pocket or in their bank account, but, you know, recipe costing or labor costing you know, hour by hour, uh, too busy or, and oftentimes just that's not how their brain works, more kind of creative kind of doing people rather than sit down and crunch a spreadsheet or something like that. I feel optimistic for people who've got those kind of tools and can use it because there's going to be some screaming bargains with real estate and landlords who are desperate to have their empty shops filled, the best corners you'll be able to get as well. So yeah, but there's going to be a big shakeout because the, the little place that's just a job, that's just not going to work anymore because people won't have much money. People are going to be poor. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting thing about thinking about your offering as well from, you know, what is going to happen with my customers? What kind of spend do they actually have to, to come here, you know, if you have a coffee shop, as an example, where you maybe had a customer coming daily, they may be going to make it for a weekly treat instead of a daily treat. I think there was numbers out here in the UK yesterday saying that the economy will downsize with 35%. It's massive, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
downsizes a bit of a kind of nice word too, isn't it? It's just like <laughs> shrink, collapse. <laughs> Incredible. And then they say, well, that be for a short period. But we all know when we have these hit and setbacks, it, it goes faster backwards mm. and then goes forward yes. again. So yeah, I think there's a lot of these, you know, where you, you have a concept where you are, you know, a treat or you are, you have a business model that, that actually consists on often loyal customers that you really have to think in how do you actually get them to come as often as possible how do you make them more loyal as customers now because they're going to really think about how they're going to spend that food dollar they have you mentioned technology a couple of times because many operators and you know they're almost a bit of fear around getting involved with that because that can actually be automated you of course have to spend the time up front and get it right but when you get it right it almost you know you would know things about your business and in details you didn't know before yeah and look you've had this same as I you know, you've got to learn a new bit of software or you've got to learn how something and you think, oh God, here we go. It takes a while, but it's like getting on a bike, isn't it? Fall off and then eventually you can't imagine that you didn't know how to use it, but it's being willing to embrace those kind of things. And, you know, technology is a funny thing because for the first time in history, I guess this has been for the last kind of 15, 20 years, kids know more than their parents. And that's not good for a lot of, a lot of parents and people 30 plus we kind of try and cover up our uncertainty or our fear or our ignorance of these things it's not like young people are going to take over the world but there's a lot of digital skills available and just as you know the successful operator knows how to take a bunch of unruly cooks and chefs and create magic and lots of productivity by you know just kind of the way they direct them that's our opportunity you know we got tons of kids who are just so comfortable and fluent with technology they can help us set up the online rostering and they can you know run the kind of drip feed facebook ads and all that kind of stuff too so our skill as as operators is to be in the driving seat and to be the director. I, I get impatient with a lot of small operators because they're so busy. Really, why are you wipe, wiping tables? Why are you delivering plates? You know, that's not your job <laughs> to do that. They're more comfortable the doing rather than sitting at the laptop and, you know, crunching numbers or planning, you know, an email blast or something like that. Time to get comfortable with that stuff and make a few mistakes and you can't break anything. You just might be a bit clumsy, but <laughs> get better. It's quite quite funny when you, you talk about this because I see the same, I call it also the mindset of how to run your business. And that's like, you know, I normally say if you are an operator with your own little business, you are in principle a CEO. And a CEO's job is in principle, first of all, to set the culture of the business, make sure that you're doing the right business development and initiative that drives the business forward, so thereby sales and cash flow, and make sure that systems are implemented, the scaffolding, as you call it, to actually, you know, automate as much as possible of your business so you don't have to revisit and put out fires again and again. Because if there is a fire, you need to find out how that that fire doesn't happen again and again. Yeah, and see, we're having to, like... Think about what was a crisis three months ago. It was like, oh, my God, the chef's going to quit. Or, oh, my God, the council is going to redo the footpath and we're going to not have customers walking by for a couple of months. So, you know, these are, in today's terms, very <laughs> small-scale fires. But we, we kind of were used to that. But now, my God, we've got to negotiate with a landlord. We've got to apply for all sorts of government funding that's available. But we've got to have our book work up to date. We've got all our staff contacting us, you know, when are we getting? 
getting our subsidy payment and all this kind of stuff. It's like it's freaky stuff. This is unheard of demands on our emotions and our, our kind of you, you say CEO on our CEO abilities. I mean, it's nice to say people are CEOs, but really, they most of them are not being much more than supervisors, not even managers. This is going to be critical, I think, that you as an operator look at yourself because now we're talking about the individual operator and actually start thinking about where am I am I on these you know skill levels, CEO levels or leadership levels or whatever you call them from a mindset point of view, how strong I'm actually at that and actually use maybe if you're not able to keep the doors open as it is right now doing delivery or something, actually start working on those and actually be, be ready on the other side because it's a muscle, I guess, that like anything else that I train. Yes, yeah, it is a muscle. It's a new muscle. And, you know, new muscles, the first time you go to the gym, boy, it hurts the next day, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> but you keep you keep using it, you get stronger, and then suddenly you can't remember not using it. <laughs> what has been systematic for the industry when things get difficult, they always look for that pill that's going to fix the problem. Yeah, and, and you know, we're, we're looking now, I mean, government, as it needs to do, is intervening very strongly and ex- with extraordinary amounts of money. Well, and those subsidies will continue in all sorts of ways. There'll be subsidies to employ people and to start new businesses, things that never existed before, certainly not here. We're kind of on the teat. I don't know, is that the expression you're allowed to use? But, you know, we're, we're kind of like dependent on the drip, which doesn't let us stand on our own feet. There'll still be smart operators who make money with no subsidies or they know how to use the subsidies to drive innovation and make them even stronger for when those subsidies are withdrawn later. One of the things that has surprised me a bit, and, and I understand some operator has to hibernate because their offering was just so far off to they could do any kind of delivery or, or retail or whatever it is, that I've, I've been very surprised that you don't keep some parts of the business open to because I think use it as an innovation period because it's so important to innovate now because if you sit on the sofa if we use that terminology maybe you're in the garden or doing the good things with your own own health and mental health but if you don't do something now it'll be a very steep hill to climb because I guess we're going to be told we're opening tomorrow. Michael this is where you and I it's not like we're armchair advisors. Well, you you got you know you're directly involved in a business that you know is serving real customers. I, I'm a little distant in that way, and I've never had kind of mental health dramas. You know, I've had a few losses in my life, but you know I recover. But I think there's a kind of incredible stress, and that a lot of people are under. There's absolutely incapacitating, and no wonder you know we kind of look and think, why aren't you doing something? Or why aren't you handling it? They're, they're absolutely disabled by shock. And this kind of mental health crisis, you know, it's interesting, you know, 12 months, two years ago, there was a lot of talk about the mental health crisis. And it was all about, you know, chefs overworked and this, that, and the other it was real. But I think this dwarfs that in many ways, because here we've got owners of businesses who are absolutely incapacitated by the shock that they're experiencing it's hard and i guess also it comes back a bit about we talk about the mindset of uh, you know how you're going to operate your businesses here suddenly you've been pulled out and in, in a way you look in the mirror and we all do and think what i did was not good enough to be ready for something like this or- yeah so so i got a question for you yeah. you know you work with a lot of businesses you're an advisor and consultant in different ways and no one could have predicted this 
this, but thinking about what sort of future proofing do you think we should have done 12 months ago, six months ago? What, what did we not do? We were too busy, too cheap, too you know, other priorities. This, this is not something new, I would say. This is like, you know, uh, Stephen R. Coy in, in the uh, memory of him talking about you know, preparing yourself always and always improve yourself a little bit every day. And he has the metaphor of the saw, sharpen the saw, ready to to take down that tree faster than anyone else. So I think in hindsight, and I, I wish I spent even more time of that, is actually how do we actually, and I take this down at the individual, because any, any operator, any leader of any business comes down to your ability and your energy to be in the right mindset when things happen. It's actually not when things goes well, you have to perform. It's actually where you prepare it's a bit like a football team they play all year through to get to the final of the champions league and they're preparing all that year for that or three years for that i think the the, the key thing here is actually working on yourself finding out how you can learn to have this cool-headed analytic approach to things but also be warm-hearted and inspiring and empathic leader because if you don't have that energy as you just said and i totally understand why people have gone into shock but then you you can't take care of your people yeah and you know the business the industry moving forward is going to be much more difficult so now's the time for a lot of people i mean some of them are forced to because of financial reasons but others just like no this is just too too hard. This is actually not for me. Yeah. I don't have the mental capacity or the skills to do it. It's exit time for a lot of people. And, and some people haven't done this on purpose. You can always have things in hindsight. And what I say is the easiest you say is sit in the armchair. But I, I saw in the business I'm involved in where we from the outset have developed values and beliefs and behaviors with our people. So we've created a book of beliefs and behavior in a culture book, call it that. And it's not an employee handbook. And actually the power of those things, one of the things was in there, do the right thing has really come true in this crisis when we haven't closed the doors. We just changed business model twice in six weeks. Yes. And they've done it together. It's not like there was one person did that. It's the team combined together, gone from serving, catering to offices to do delivery. And now to actually feed the hospital worker and frontline employees and vulnerable people in East London. They just want to keep going because they believe to do the right thing. So you you know what you're, you're making me think too is see traditionally a lot of small operators, they're pretty authoritarian places, aren't they? The boss knows what they want and surround themselves with worker bees who just do what they kind of know what the boss's mood's going to be and how to how to handle that. Mm. But the only innovation is what the boss decides, and that's usually on whims or just quite random. But if you've created a team where there's a lot of creative people, a lot of points of view, a lot of, you know, it truly is one plus one plus one equals six, not three, because of all that brain power together. Sounds like you're really onto something there with the way you're working. And, and the, the thing was, there was no, it was not any of the founders, when I'm the one of the founders, it was not us, our idea to go out and do a, a not-for-profit initiative. It came up in a conversation where we were talking about, okay, what if delivery is not going to give us the boost we need to keep the doors open financially, what can we do then? What about we just go not-for-profit as long as we need to we get to the other side and hopefully our old business model in some kind of way will return because we were actually growing rapidly 20% a month. And, you know, you're making me think of some businesses I know locally, like one is, you know, a kind of high-end sandwich, CBD sandwich shop, city centre sandwich shop, where they've pivoted to working with a group that feeds the homeless and shelters the homeless 
they've got big hearts, these people, but it's not like that was a priority before. They were busy enough. And they're being paid. You know, it's not for free. And, and you know, out of this crisis, governments actually are spending money on things they should have a lot more, you know, care of the homeless. And I don't think that so many people are actually hungry these days. They, you know, they're very poor nutrition. But a lot of money is actually being poured into that. Aged care, you mentioned before, these things. There's opportunities there if we just kind of unbend and get a bit flexible and don't get set on having to run things the way it's before. And we had an interesting conversation with our investor yesterday in that business because we set up a not-for-profit arm in that business now. We became, you know, 50-50 commercial and not-for-profit because there will actually be a need, as you say, nutrition is actually the big issue. There's a big study that just came out. It actually said that, you know, many of the people that are in hospital could have been saved if their diets has been stronger because they, they'll be ready with from an immune point of view to take the fight against the virus. And also one of the things we saw in where we go into to hospital workers is that the, the food we're doing is plant-based and the meat is very well sourced. It's not from factory farms and so on. For small producers is that these hospital workers, they have already come back now and said, can we have more of this? Because I actually felt great after eating this meal. The interesting thing is how quickly you actually can pivot when you have very clear values and principle a place in a business. So I would say that probably a long way around the conversation, the question you ask, is probably the more more direct answer. So work on your values and principles as a muscle all the time, not only one time and then put it in the drawer. It's not just one of those cute things we do when the money's good and we're kind of not got other things to distract us. It's actually making it much more a fundamental, kind of like a pillar of the business success. Yeah, yeah. If you should give like concise three top tips to, let's just take the independent operator, what it is that they need to consider right now? So I think one is much more communication, much more regular, reliable communication. Stop trying to sell people. You know, I hate that term email blast because it's the opposite of communication. <laughs> Communicate much more regularly, use channels maybe that you're not so familiar with. You know, email, don't neglect email. It's still, I heard it described as the diesel engine of communication. You know, it's so powerful, but all the socials as well. So that's that's really important. Another one is absolutely watching costs very closely and we've got the tools to do that recipe costing purchasing labor costing all those kind of things and the other one is i think really build that new negotiation muscle we've got to negotiate with future landlords current landlords governments we've got to negotiate with our staff because we've got to demand and expect levels of productivity from them that were not there before we're not going to become taskmasters but we can't carry people anymore so yeah that's that's three off the top of my head and there'd certainly be more. But yeah, we've got to be much more business people rather than just turning up and smiling and making great coffee and serving up nice food. You can do that at home. Often when you, you work with you know operators and before this as well, what, one of the, the biggest interaction gap I often see between very strong operators and very you know some of the struggling is the ability to you know you could call it marketing or doing sales and actually focusing on you know email marketing mm. content you know and not just here's my product no here's our vision for the world we live in why did we set this up what are we doing besides just running a restaurant and creating that content and it often it is almost like imposter syndrome sometimes you know it's interesting I, I was ran a webinar today which was promoting a program we have here called Save Hospital 
hospitality, which is where people can, you know, buy future sales in a restaurant. You know, they can pay $100 and get $120 worth of value and the money goes to the restaurant who desperately needs it. Later, it's like a gift voucher program, really. But to sell it, the successful operators, they've actually got to ask something completely different, cap in hand almost, like, I need your support. Would you mind helping me? Not just, you know, oh, we're doing a fantastic band on Saturday night. Or, oh, we've got this new wine list. It's just like, no, there's a different kind of communication. It's more humble, got to be more genuine, good for the soul. <laughs> it's actually okay to ask because if, you, if you've done well and served your customers well, why don't you go and ask? Because the only thing you can get now, because there's no rules now, is a no and that's there's no terrible thing in that or you will have no response it's that thing about fail faster concept because if faster you fail the quicker you can innovate and and the no is it's no right now it's not no forever and also it's just that oh or maybe i just need to tweak it and try again because i think what we really have to get in in is, is this ongoing cycle of innovating business and i think startup tech businesses has been very good at that you know lean startup approach where they just reinvent themselves and pivot all the time and i think in restaurants many times it's okay this is my concept this is what i'm going to do you're not almost not allowed to move it along take it or leave it yeah that's right and it's a bit like seeing your business as a lab now and a research project and then you just have to try out different things and of course they have to be validated and you know you need to have facts and a thought in a strategy and then of course you have to follow through the industry and also you have to have a bit of patience it's not going to pick up from day one it's a bit like a skill you need to train it on a muscle the the thing about communicating is essential in in my world as well because the only way to get out of this in a way is connect with other people in within that you're going to get great ideas as well We've still got thousands and tens of thousands of potential customers. Just what we say to them and how we say it, the regularity of it, that's got to be completely different. And I guess it's also what kind of perception do you want people to have of you after this? And how 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 are they going to remember and, and think about you, both customers and employees and other stakeholders? It's still possible to sell a business as well. It's currently, it may be difficult, but there's new business you create. You can create value, you can show the figures, and someone else will come along and plump down tens of thousands of pounds or euros or dollars or whatever. That's still absolutely possible. There's going to be a lot of good offers out there as well. If you had a dream about expanding and you're, you're, you've been savvy about running your business and have spare cash and operate I work with, they have just signed or in the process of signing three leases they almost got for you know pennies <laughs> and this is a small operator they they have about five sites they're not big so again they've just gone from five to eight in a week they were just will you take these almost you have rent free for 18 months here you go they just wanted to quickly as possible move on how do you Ken as an individual and a, a very experienced hospitality person how do you keep yourself in the right state of mind, energy-wise? What is your top tips? I have a lot of sources of industry information, which I watch very closely each day. I try and tune out of the news. I want to know what's happening, how it relates, but I try and stay away from crisis. I never watch TV news. I prefer to read stuff. So, you know, tuning out, I'm going to bed earlier. I used to be a bit of a night owl. I try and find, you know, my sleep is really important. I'm walking more. I'm not a gym person, but I I love walking. I, I don't have a business on the line or, you know, a landlord breathing down my neck. But this is a very agitating time. I was kind of soaking that all up a month ago and 
boy, it was it was not good. I still have it. Like it's not like we are superheroes because we can record this podcast. We we have like yesterday was a tough day for me. You know, one of those where you you were hanging a bit. You know, and uh, I had to do all the things you're saying. I went early to bed last night and drinking a lot of water out in nature. Yeah. Running is my thing. You know, and yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I try to do that uh, every day or go for a long walk, spend time with family so it doesn't become about this agitated thing you can't do anything about and focus, as you say, on the things you can do something about, not all the things you can't. The news, you can't do anything about that. That's not in your power. If we were talking in 12 months time, Ken, what are we going to be talking about, do you think? I love to find success stories, to hear about success stories, not like, oh my God, I made, you know, $100,000 of sales or something like that. I just love to see innovation and I particularly like it when they have small resources and they produce big results, you know, through brain power and cleverness and negotiation or finding great people to work with. That's that's what I love. And that's that's kind of a bit weird for me about the current situation is because I feel quite pessimistic and that is not my character. You know, I'm an optimist. But even right now, I'm seeing people, wow, that's such a clever way that they're responding to this. And, you know, their sales might have halved, but they haven't disappeared. So that's what I, I love. I'd love to talk to you more about that. Some success stories for sure. Yeah, and I think we're going to see, as you say, there's also opportunities. We just talked about operators, you know, sites. Sites is another thing. You will see business model evolve into maybe, you know, being part hospitality, retail, other services, retail products. You think you see operators coming out of this at a very different beast than they were before. And I, I think that, that that's going to be some of the exciting stories to talk about. But there is definitely a, 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 what do you call it, a valley of death that has to be walked through first. Oh, yeah, um, that's a strong term, but uh, it's probably not unrealistic. And, I, you know, I think people are going to be much more savvy and careful about the way they spend their money too, what they invest in and the buffer that they keep aside because we've all really for a long, long time, we've just kind of figured that, I think I said before, you know, we'll pay last week's bills with this week's when the merry-go-round stops, you're out of business and people hopefully are going to be a lot more careful careful with their cash. So is there any last things, Ken, that you think that's very important that the listeners to the podcast, operators out there are aware of? Keep learning, keep following good people, keep listening to good podcasts. You know, there's a huge amount of what I call what to do information. You know, there's no shortage of industry articles, do this, do this. But what you really got to hunt down is the how to do it. You might find it on YouTube videos or you might find a few good sources of information. You're one of those people, you know, that drills down into the detail of and just keep learning. Just have a hungry mind. Keep learning, finding out how to do it. Why are those those people so successful? Can I just ask questions or research? Why does it work so well? Why have they always got a crowd when that other one is empty? You know, that's the, the stuff we've got to be constantly focusing on. Where can people follow you? Because you share a lot of uh, great content, I know, as well, and advice. and Thanks. Yeah, well, li- LinkedIn, I-, I love LinkedIn. You and I are connected there. I found that Ken Bergen, B-U-R-G-I-N. I've got uh, my own website, kenbergen.com.au. I post regular broadcasts there and then through my the company I work for called silverchef.com.au there's a resource page there and I do all the blog articles there I'm really proud of a lot of stuff really again the last six eight weeks boy whole new topics we got some really practical stuff there we're doing webinars every week which I really enjoy as well even you know experienced people like yourself we all have to reset 
all our old learnings now. And I look, I look at stuff that I wrote six months, twelve months ago, and I think that is so irrelevant for today. I almost like feel like take it down. It doesn't speak to current reality. Good, Ken. I think that there will definitely be a, a follow-up podcast on this because one of the things I like to look at is is what's not only happening locally, but also what did happen globally. And I think now we can for sure say, as I talked with Ivan Brewer on last year in the podcast, is that globally, hospitality are in the same problems, no matter where you are in the world. We can learn from all parts of the world now. With that said... Keep learning out there, guys. I will say thank you to you, Ken, for spending your your precious time. Then I will send all my love, power, and energy to you and, and your loved ones. And we'll speak soon, Ken. My pleasure. It's been really tremendous. Thanks so much. Cheers, Michael. Ken, thank you so much for your great thinking on how to survive and thrive in the current storm. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate, or subscribe to one of our channels. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for your support on the podcast. You can find Ken on LinkedIn, Ken Burgeon. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us or subscribe to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick. Maverick.